Chapter Six of the Rock Frog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Rock Frog by Harriet Anna Cheever. The rest of Boom a Room's story. The bald eagle was a splendid fellow come to get a good look at him. As people measure, he was more than a yard long from his crown to the tip of his tail. They called him bald or bareheaded because his head is white, covered with white feathers, which gives him a bald appearance. His neck and tail feathers are also white. The rest of him, I should say, was a purplish black. Ah! but he was the hardy fearless bird he would look up at the sun without blinking and would soar up 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 so high that he would look like a mere speck in the sky the flapping of his wide strong wings could be heard from a distance dear me and dear me how dreadfully angry i must have been not to have heard the whir and sweep of those great pinions he took no notice of us whatsoever as he pounced into the nest but he appeared to need rest after being absent all night long he hid his head partly under his wing but i think slept also with head erect and bright eyes closed soon we heard the sound of other wings and into the nest came the mate not as large a bird as the man-eagle but a fine handsome creature with a bit of a goose in one claw that would never quack again and a good-sized fish in her beak well the pair were at home but little of the time the second night we climbed again the green frog and i to the rim of the nest and took another look at the hopeless but splendid water view can you think of any way to escape i asked only one was the reply and what is that to jump and trust to reaching the shore by no means i saw one frog try it but he never reached any shore how then i do not want to be rude i have learned that rudeness and unkindness do not pay but i want to keep the secret to myself i might tell it then a frog might try and never see the sun again he did not speak ungently but as if he wished to keep silent as to his proposed plan of escape and i thought it all right that he should so said no more about it but as i left him there i shall always wonder if his plan was one that would serve him the days went slowly by we found food enough as the eagles left many scraps about that we could pick up yet the nest was kept clean and i sometimes felt that the eagles liked having creatures about that they would pick up the bits and i became almost fond of the green frog i found that he lived on the banks of a deep pool into which he was in the habit of diving then settling himself in the green slime close to it 
He doubtless was of much importance in the place where he belonged, for he told of frog laws he had helped to make, and I found he knew about everything a frog is supposed to know, and noticed everything that was worth noticing, which generally makes either a frog or a boy bright and knowing. I told him all about our marsh frogs, also about the long ponders and your wise judge, the rock frog. He paid attention to all I told him, and I think will not forget it. And he was perfectly right in thinking that another feast was at hand, for bits of fruit were stored in the nest day before yesterday, and bunches of grasshoppers and various kinds of bugs. Then yesterday morning several fishes were caught and left on the rocks below, and last night crabs and gulls were piled about as it grew dark. As it grew late, several strange eagles and a number of hawks came wheeling up to the nest. At first they did not seem to notice us, but the green frog croaked softly, just so I could hear him, that after a time we would be expected to dance on our hind legs and wiggle about in a lively jig for the amusement of the company. After looking keenly about, I began to notice the strange behavior of a large hawk that, instead of staying outside or circling around the nest, kept peering inside. He would blink first at me, then at the green frog, but seemed to watch me the closest. Then the strangest thing happened. You see, the poor little duckling that I had pitied from the first had a queer habit of cuddling close to me at night. This was very strange, for I belonged to a cold-blooded tribe that a little feathered creature would scarcely think of creeping up to, and a great frog sometimes snaps up a wee duck. But I suppose loneliness or homesickness makes us all do unusual things, and I somehow like the feeling of that soft little thing that must have been snatched from its downy mother and the rest of the brood. All at once I felt sure that the hawk was going to swoop down and catch me up, and on the instant I grabbed the little duck that was hunched up close beside me, clutching him tightly in the webbed toes of a hind leg, sure enough, before I could bid the green frog goodbye or even think of it the hawk made a dive and snatched at me the duckling dangling down i could hear its little legs softly click and clatter as they crossed and recrossed in the air and we were off and away whither bound i had not the least idea but even in the claws of the hawk i saw a barnyard as we sped along and an old duck nestling with a brood partly under her wing and partly huddled at her side opening wide my webbed foot down dropped the duckling and i heard a glad quack in the distance so whether it was baby duck's own mother or not no matter it was sure of being mothered by its own kind and its danger and homesickness were all over and done with what joy
one thing i noticed as we bore onward the hawk had an unusual way of flying as if it limped and went slightly sideways in its flight the next thing i knew i was in another nest in a pine grove where the trees were so thick and so high that i had been in the middle of a tree i could have seen nothing but branches boughs and green leaves but the hawk's nest was far aloft in a tall tree that had no leaves but only bare branches at the top such a peculiar nest no moss no grasses no lining at all in the hollow i was surprised to see how this troubled me for tough as the body of a frog looks and really is we yet are used to soft mud or the spongy dampness of boggy places and a bare bed of braided sticks is anything but soft or spongy but this was last night and now let me tell you how much a hawk knows i think he went back to the eagle's feast as it is not likely that the eagle saw him bear me away it was done slyly and quickly now he had left me in that shallow nest i could easily have made my way to the ground and hopped and hopped until my home was reached in some way i could have found it but my lord the hawk had no notion of letting me get away so he tucked my toes in between the sticks and wove twigs in close network all around me until i was in a complete cage and could not possibly have worked my way out he left a few roots and dried berries near me and went on his way i did not see him again until this noon of course i was dreadfully afraid of him but strange as it is we do get used in a way even to being scared nearly out of our senses and as the hawk did not act as if he meant to harm me i began to wonder at his care and to ask myself what he meant to do i find that eagles and hawks are chiefly creatures of the darkness for their nests are usually empty at night except as they meet to feast or hold midnight revel and yet if it is a tender tiny chicken a plump baby goose or a little duckling they have a mind to dine upon they knew enough to go in the daytime for that kind of treat and not when all such juicy atoms are safe beneath a mother's wing late this evening the hawk came home unbound me and took me in his claws and after a long flight in his lame uncertain way dumped me on this rock what a bird of honor is he i know now that an injured wing probably not yet quite sound caused his imperfect zigzag flight and i can see that the reason he did not bring me back last night was because he wanted to return to the eagle's nest and knew that he could not fly so far at one time so now here i am brought back by a grateful faithful bird who has acted like a prince in carrying out a promise made in a time of trouble 
and I promise in turn that the strange, hard lesson I have learned shall last me as long as I live. Three good things I am sure will come of what happened to me. First, I shall not let my boom of a voice rise in temper again so far above other sounds that a great air giant can flap its wings directly over my head and I do not hear it. Second, I have discovered that where we proudly and foolishly set our wills to getting something that we are determined to have, we may get it, but at a cost that would make us thankful to do without it, rather than pay such a price. I was bound that the long pond frogs should keep still and listen to my voice, and listen you had to for a little while, whether you would or no. Now you have listened again with kind attention, but think of the frights I have had, and the dangers I have faced, since first I tried to make you hear my booming voice. The third good thing that I feel must come of my capture and my rescue is this. The long pond frogs and the marsh frogs must be at peace with each other for ever more after this. Now I would go to my friends, but I invite all of you who can come over to our marsh tomorrow night, when I think there will be a kind of jubilee, and the marsh frogs will want to speak their thanks to the frogs of Long Pond for their great kindness to their king. I am only very, very sorry that your good and wise judge, the rock frog, cannot come with you, but he will have the gratitude and admiration of every frog at the marsh. End of chapter 6 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.